Good morning, Bridge of Hope, and to all of our uh, saints and friends scattered across North Carolina and uh, beyond. We welcome you again to the house of God, uh, this service, a great time of worship and uh, giving to God the praise due to his name. And now we come to the word of God, and I'd like you to open your Bibles uh, to the book of Second Kings. That's 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. And it reads as follows. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, and the daughter of Edadiah of Bozkah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. May God add the blessing to the reading of his holy word. We begin a new series today entitled Faith Like a Kid. Faith Like a Kid. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we are able to come together as the body of Christ, the Bridge of Hope Church. And I just thank you for the privilege of speaking to your children, your people my brothers and sisters, and I just ask that you would anoint me, that I would speak as a servant of God, and, and that these words would not be mere uh, man's thoughts, but they would be your truth spoken to your people for your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray that we would bear fruit, and this fruit would remain. Amen. Faith like a kid. One of the most profound teachings of the kingdom of God is actually the inspiration behind our series today, Faith Like a Kid. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 to 4, the disciples are jockeying for position and wondering who will be considered the greatest in God's kingdom. Jesus rebukes them by taking a child, placing the child in the middle of them, and he says this, the one of you who is closest to this little child will be the greatest. This may sound cute and sweet, but I assure you it is not. In fact, it is powerful and otherworldly. We must have faith like a child to enter into and thrive in the kingdom of God. In this series, we will be looking for we will be looking at children in the scriptures who illustrate to us what it takes to dwell and be great in Christ's kingdom. Our first example is that of the young king Josiah. When we see Josiah, we discovered that childlike faith is miraculous. <laughs> no, Josiah didn't heal anyone sick. 
and he did not raise anyone that was dead. He simply believed in God. And I want to tell you that by itself is a miracle. In fact, if we knew where certain people came from and yet found that they believed in God, we would see how much our faith and our salvation is truly a miracle. Josiah was the grandson of the most wicked king in Israel's history. His name was King Manasseh. In fact, if you look at the previous chapter uh, in 2 Kings 21, and if we see just the first nine verses, I want to read for you. It says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And verse 2, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah his father destroyed and erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah as Ahab king of Israel had done and worshiped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem, I will put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his son. Did you hear me? He burned his son as an offering and used fortune telling and omens and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking the Lord to anger. My God, and we can keep going on, but the Bible goes on to say they did not listen to Manasseh because he led them astray to do more evil than the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. Josiah's grandfather was wicked, more wicked than we could even imagine. And so he was judged. And then Manasseh's father came into power and his name was Amon. And Amon did the same kind of deeds that his father Manasseh had done. And so we see that Josiah's background, his family background was just wicked. Uh, Ammon was so wicked that his closest servants killed him. He said, we'd be better off with the king dead. And so they killed him. And when the people found out that these servants killed the king, the people killed the servants. I'll tell you, this was a horrible time in Israel's history. And it had horrendous kings. And this is where Josiah came from. I want to give you a description not only of the family of uh, Josiah, but the culture and an environment of which Josiah was raised in and began to reign over. And to find that, we will find it in Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 1. Now, Zephaniah comes after the prophetic book of Zechariah, which comes before Malachi. So, Zephaniah comes before Zechariah. 
Messiah, if you're looking for it, uh, right after Habakkuk. And listen to what it says. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. So we see that Zephaniah was a prophet during the time of Josiah. And I want you to see how it's how Israel and particularly Judah is described in this. Look at verse 8 where the Bible says of chapter 1 of Zephaniah, and on the day of the Lord's sacrifice I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. So the officials and the, chi the other children of Ammon, they, they, they dressed in the attire that would honor the prophet, the uh, false uh, god of Baal. And they wanted their nation to be like the other nations that did not know God. Look at verse 9. And on that day I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold. And listen, those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. And so you can hear that the homes were filled with abuse of behavior, abuse in the marriage, abuse of the children, abuse between the servants. And there was fraud. They were stealing. The master would turn his head and they would steal some of his possessions and the wife would take some of the possessions and the husband would lie about what he had. And this was the environment of Judah. This was the place that uh, Josiah dwelled in. And then in verse 12 of that same chapter, the Bible says, at that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men, listen, who are complacent and those who say in their hearts, listen to this, the Lord will not do good nor will he do evil. In other words, they're saying, listen, God is of no use to us. He's neither good nor bad. He really doesn't even exist in our minds. This is under the reign of Josiah when he took the reign from his father who was killed. I want you to see how bad it was. It was at this stage that Josiah began king, became king. And you see, you never know when the Lord will thrust you into a position or into a responsibility. But I want to tell you, young or old, known or obscure, we learn from Josiah that a child of a wicked family who did wrong in the eyes of God, that that does not have to be your testimony. Because the Bible tells us that Josiah did what was right in God's eyes. Not in the eyes of humanity, he said, but when God looked at Josiah, Josiah did what was right. I'm telling you, that was a miraculous work of God because he was young and yet not influenced by his environment. In spite of how bad it was, in spite of how wicked his family was, in spite of how evil they were, they did not impact his heart. Do you know that is a work of God? born during a rebellious, idolatrous culture, yet this child did not succumb to it. It tells us that Satan can't claim you because of your environment or because of your circumstances. 
2 Kings chapter 2, Josiah served God like his father David. Not his natural father, but his forebear King David. Remember, King David was a man after God's own heart. He served God. God with a pure heart. He served God with a passion. This was miraculous. How could he be like David? He never met David, but he did know his granddad, or at least he did know his father, and he had the stories of his grandfather, and yet he was not like them. This is the miracle of God's grace in our hearts. In fact, I want to tell you, this is an in spite of kind of faith. In spite of what's around us, in spite of what others are doing, I'm going to trust and follow God. Can I tell you, you may not have people in your family who are honest or good or pure, but that's no excuse because Josiah proves that faith can thrive even in darkness. Bridge of Hope, I want us to pray. Give us the miraculous faith like a child, like, like Josiah, that God, we will believe you and follow you in spite of what the world is doing, in spite of what the majority are doing, in spite of what family is doing. This is the miracle of faith that God can make us different than where we come from. Hallelujah. This is the grace of God. Oh, you ought to praise him. This is the miraculous childlike faith. So in this unthinkable spiritual climate, something began to erupt in jo Josiah's heart. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, 2 Chronicles in many ways mirrors uh, the kings. And so they tell the same story often, but from different perspectives. One, one while from the perspective of being in, the exi in, in exile and the one coming back from it or coming out of it. And 2 and Chronicles tells us that in the eighth year, of Josiah's reign. So he became the king at eight years old. Eight years old. Raised by the people who surrounded his father and yet became nothing like them. At eight years into this reign, so he's 16 years old, the Bible tells us he began to seek the God of his father David. He began to seek him as a 16-year-old. He began to seek God like David did. See, both of them were young when they came to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. But it didn't matter because they wanted to know God. And I want you to know that this, this childlike faith is a, not only a miraculous faith, but it's a spirit-inspired faith. Because what we see here is that God is able to take a child and to br bring him into conformity by his spirit. Not only is it a miracle, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. He drew God, the, he drew Josiah to the Father. Remember what John chapter 6 uh, verse uh, 44 says. No one comes to the Father except they be drawn. So the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us. Romans 8 and 16 says his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the child of God, that we are a son of God. And so God's spirit 
connects with our spirit and draws us like a magnet to steel, like a magnet to metal. We are drawn to the presence of God. I want to tell you today that God is still drawing people. Josiah was not too young for the Holy Spirit to move upon his heart. At 16, he had no control over the nation. Remember, when you're at that age, they would um, give you servants who would make decisions until you became of age. But he was not able, old enough to make decisions for the nation, but he was old enough to make decisions for his own self, his own soul. I want you to know you may be young today and maybe you can't do this and you're not old enough to do that but you are old enough to serve the Lord. You are old enough to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. You are old enough to respond to the, to Christ and the Holy Spirit who wants to make you into a person that is glorious in his eyes. Hallelujah. At 16 years of age, I'm telling you at 12 years, at 8 years at five years the Holy Spirit can get a hold of you and don't start when it's just young even at 50 and 60 and 80 the Holy Spirit is able to draw us for the Bible said the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth when I was reminded that the scripture said he served God like David. I'm reminded of the Psalm of David, Psalm 42. As the deer pants after the waters, is thirsty for the waters, so my soul longs for the waters. It's in a dry and a thirsty land. I thirst for you. I'm telling you, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. When in you is desiring more of God, when in you is discontented with the environment around, saying, I can't be saved satisfied among sin. I can't be comfortable in this laissez-faire mindset. I've got to magnify the Lord. It reminds me of the psalmist who said, I was glad when they said, go to the house of the Lord. While other people are saying, you've got to go to church, somebody is saying, I get to go to church. I want to praise him. I want to sing to him. I want to magnify him. This is the work of the Holy Spirit and I'm praying today that God's Spirit would grow a hold of us as his spirit is wooing us when Josiah had no authority or power the Holy Spirit gave him a spiritual authority and a spiritual power no wonder Isaiah the prophet said seek the Lord while he may be found oh yes childlike faith is a spirit inspired faith that makes us want to get near God regardless of what other people want. To the young, to the one who has a desire to seek God, I want you to know you're not the first and you're not the last. This is normal. This is normal. I'm reminded in John chapter 17, verse 2 and 3, where Jesus is praying to the Father and he prays this interesting prayer. He says, God, glorify your son that I might... Glory that bring glory to those that you have given me and that they might know you. And he, then he says uh, that I may give eternal life to those you have given to me. And this is eternal life that they would know you. And so I want you to see the cyclical here that I am working in them that they might have your life. 
and that those who have your life will be seeking to know you more. And so the Holy Spirit gives life and the Holy Spirit makes us want to know God more. And this is why eternal life is knowing God and knowing God brings fruit of life. I'm telling you, the childlike faith that God is calling us to have that makes us great is a faith that is in pursuit of God. And the only way we can pursue him is to be filled with the spirit, to be yielded to his spirit, to be inspired by his spirit. Jesus calls us to a childlike faith led by the Holy Spirit. Bridge of Hope, are you ready to pray? Lord, give me this hunger for you. Give me this longing for you. Give me this desire to seek after you. Hallelujah. Josiah had a miraculous faith. Josiah had a spirit-led faith. And I'm going to see here in our text, he had a word Obedient faith. He had a heart set on seeking, knowing, and worshiping the Lord. And the Bible tells us that in the 18th year, this is verse 3, in the 18th year of his reign. So we've seen him at 8 years old and we've seen him at 16 years old. Now we are seeing him at 26 years old. And in the 18th year of his reign, at 26 years old, when he now has the power and the authority in the nation, but he has been shaped by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see this? That the Holy Spirit shapes us so that he shapes us with spiritual power so that when he gives us physical power, when he gives us political power, when he gives us economic power, when he gives us relationship and influence, we have the character and the heart to be able to use these resources for his glory. And the Bible tells us that when he actually came into this power over the, the land of Judah, he set his heart to rebuild the temple. He was already desiring to worship God and he would worship God and seek God and pray and sing and call upon him and fast. He would do all of these normal practices, right? And then he said, now I want to I wanna make sure we build the temple of God. Rather than focusing on his house, he focused on the building for God. And listen to this. So he reconstructs the building. He tells them, listen, give the money to the artisans so they can fix it up. And he says to trustworthy people. And so while they are fixing the temple, see, remember, the temple was in disrepair because of Manasseh and Ammon, his grandfather and his father. All kind of junk was in there. Do you know the house of God is messed up because people are doing all kinds of crazy foolishness in the house of God rather than honoring him? And so he's got to clean this mess out because he's ready to set the temple in order. And an amazing thing happens. The Bible says that while they were cleaning out 
the house. Verse 8, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. I found a book, not just any book, but the book of the law, the word of God. I want to tell you something when they were cleaning out the house, making it just like it should be according to the word of God, they found the book of the law. Can I tell you that when uh, you have set your heart out to clean up and to glorify God, that I want you to know that, that you will begin to find stuff that has been lost, stuff that people have forgotten, but God did not when they went into the temple to clean it out and restore it, that's when they found the book of the law, the word of God. This is to fulfill what Amos chapter 8 verse 11 says. He speaks about there is a time of famine, but not a famine of food, but a famine of the word. And there is a famine of the word because there is a generation that is not serving God. There is a generation, they are religious, they have a name that they're saved but they don't have a real relationship with God the spirit of God is not drawing them there's not a childlike faith they're running from faith and the Bible tells us that a famine would come upon God's people but the famine has been called to an end I'm telling you an end a famine comes when we find the word of God like Jesus quoted Moses my meat is to do the will of him who has sent me my meat is the word of God. Man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I want to tell you, ask you a question today. Is there a famine in your house? Is there a famine in the church? Is there a family, famine in your family? If it is, it's because you have lost the word of God. You like reading other people's thoughts on it. You'll go to devotionals before you go to the word. You'll listen to a preacher before you go to the word. You'll even go to church and let somebody talk to you about the word but I tell you I cannot replace the what the word is supposed to be in your life when God sets your heart to seek him you are going to find the word for yourself I can tell you about the word and I can feed you the word but not until you go and get it for yourself is that word going to be in you and going to set you up like fire that shut up in your bones Hallelujah. The famine comes to an end when the word of God is found and Josiah's passion to worship God is what restored the word in the house of God and among the people of God. When you read the word, we are reading everybody's devotions. We are reading everybody else's thoughts. We are listening to good preachers. But this is why we don't know the word. This is why we're confused when the word is preached and we're so easily led astray. But the Bible tells us that Josiah, they found the word and they brought the word to him. And the scripture says, verses 10 through 13, they read the word back 
to Josiah and when he heard the word man that word hit him like a rock he fell to his ground and he began to weep he tore his clothes off he wept before the Lord because he realized that they were living in rebellion to God do you know where there is no word there is no revelation listen we quote that scripture where there is no vision the people perish but what that really means is where there's no vision of God where there's no revelation of God God's people will throw off constraint and live any kind of way but when the word comes back when the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path we'll have a childlike faith again where we will live obedient word centered life and it will restore us it will renew us we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water we'll be fruitful again we'll be budding again we will reproduce again but only when the word comes can that kind of restoration come back to the house hallelujah that's what happened the word came and they read the word but then only after they read the word did they say we need somebody to tell us what is God really saying to us and so this is funny the priests went to find a prophet and they didn't go to a man they went to a wife they went to a woman they went to a woman who would tell them what was God calling them to do and her name was Holda what a name I know it's not the prettiest name but the woman was a woman of God I want to tell you some of the people who God wants to bring in your life to restore you they may not be wealthy they may not be well known they may not have a, all these things behind their name but if they know God if they're walking with God in fact you know the false prophets today they are false prophets because they'll tell you something and then their expectation is you to follow them they're a, you're a money train to them but this woman simply had one responsibility tell that man who found the book what God is saying to him she didn't want money she didn't want him to follow him she just wanted him to know what the Lord said because whatever the Lord said is what would direct him I got a word for somebody today it's time to find the word it's time to listen to the word it's time to obey the word because there can be no restoration to our life until like a child we say Lord feed me Lord teach me I don't know what to do I don't know my left from my right but if you teach me God hallelujah I will know how to please you. And she told them the word. And it was a hard word. It was a hard message. And he went back. And starting in chapter 23, verse 2, we see how he responded to the word. Remember in chapter 20, uh, in chapter 22, he, his first response was tears and mourning, fasting, because he recognized he and Israel were so far from where God wanted. And, and that is the truth. The more you get away from you going in the word, the more you will drift from God. But he moved from being just mourning and surprised 
by what God wanted to obeying what God was calling him to be and to do. It's not enough to feel bad about sin. Then now you got to repent and turn and follow Christ and obey and listen to how he responded to the word. See, the word can bring restoration, but only when we obey the word. And the Bible tells us he burned down. Chapter 23, he burned down the idols. <laughs> he ended witchcraft and medium reading, palm reading. He pulled down the false altars, got rid of the false priests. Oh, yes. Sometimes you got to call them out. You know, these false preachers and false prophets that are saying this and calling this spirit from here and there and saying, thus saith the Lord, trying to sound like scripture. I don't care who you try to sound like. Only God's word is God's word. And when we obey God's word, we don't obey man. Don't obey the preacher and the pastor. Obey the word. Obey the Lord. He got rid of all that was filthy in God's house. Everybody's crying about this. The government won't let us do this. The government won't let us do that. Let me tell you, there's just a whole bunch of foolishness talking about the government. You weren't living for God, many of us, when the government allowed us to do anything. We cry about praying in school. We weren't praying at home. But when God's people who are called by his name humble themselves like Josiah with that childlike faith. Let's stop blaming the church and blaming the preacher and blaming the government and let's own the restoration that God wants to bring through the kingdom of God and to own it is to say, what is your word? What are you speaking? What are you saying? Josiah went as far in chapter 23. He restored even the Passover. They had not done the Passover in more than a century. Church, can I tell you, when we move away from God and the things of God, the baptisms, the communions, the feet washing, the serving one another, the, the, the repentance, the forgiving, the, the loving, the singing, the rejoicing, the dancing, the worshiping of God, the, the honoring him, the tithing, the giving, the obedience. Forget everybody else. Forget why people's motives are. You, me, we have to respond to the word of God with a child like faith. And in this Josiah account, which causes us to ask the question, how will we in our day respond to the word that we discover? And it's not so much we, it's not like we discovered the word that, that hmm, I found. It, it's not like the word was lost, but we lost the word for ourselves. But now that we come back to the word, how will we, how will Trevor, how will you, how will Bridge of Hope respond to the word? Is it just something to hear? Oh, that was an interesting message Trevor preached. And then I just go about my way. Or will I respond in obedience? I'll tell you. A childlike faith is not cute and pretty. It's, it's serious because Josiah tore not only his garments, he tore down the altars of his fathers and his grandfather. Do you know when we turn back to God with a childlike faith, 
things that our meemaws and peepaws and, and parents have told us is okay, we got to tear those things down in our lives because we find out that I can't live like I was raised. I've got to live like how Christ has revealed. Here's one of the most beautiful verses about Josiah. Chapter 23, verse 25. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his sight according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. Do you hear that? There was no king like him. I wonder if it could be said of us that we have that childlike faith, so much so that, that our hearts are just given over to God, and the Lord would say of us, no one is like you. I haven't seen anyone like in your family like this. I haven't seen anyone. Imagine if they said this about Bridge of Hope Church. Not, not to brag, but to say, imagine if God said there was no one like us who totally devoted themselves to the heart of God. Imagine if he said that of the pastors and of the deacons and of our members and of our children, of our sons and daughters. I've looked all around. There's no one like you. For that to be said of us, like they said of the apostles, they turned the world upside down, it simply comes with a childlike faith. A childlike faith is not a cute faith. It's a miraculous faith. In spite of all that's around us, we will serve God. Even though it seems impossible in this environment, we will serve the Lord. A childlike faith is a spirit-inspired faith. In spite of what the world is saying, God is planting truth and planting a desire and planting a hunger in our hearts to do not what we want or what others want, but what he wants. Not listening to our bodies, not listening to our old lives, not listening to our families, listening to the Lord's voice. A childlike faith is a word-centered faith that causes, that breaks me. I wonder if God's word can break us. I wonder if God's word can, can, can cause us to weep again. I wonder if God's word can cause us to have joy like a river. I wonder if God's word would, would bring such life that we would skip and dance like the deer in the fields. I wonder if our response to the word would bring restoration. It would if we have this childlike faith where we would obey the word. A faith to serve God even if others will not. A faith to serve God even if others think we're fools. A faith that will trust in God even when God doesn't do what we think he should or will. A faith like a kid, a faith like a child. Kids with this kind of faith become adults with this kind of faith. Lord, give us faith like a kid. I don't want to outgrow God. I was saved when I was six, and I'm 45, 
and I don't want to backslide now. God's been too good. I, I will still believe in him. I want to still tremble at his voice. Hallelujah. I want to still be under his conviction. I want to still he be led by him. I want to still believe in the miraculous. I want to still know that God is able. Oh, I want to have a faith like a child that will jump from the table into their father's arms knowing my God's going to catch me. I want a child like faith. Pray with me, Bridge. Father, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. For such a time as this, you allowed us to be born. In spite of the environment, in spite of the wickedness, in spite of the errors, in spite of the, the, the craziness in our world, you called us to have a faith that trusts in you that causes us to see you even amidst the darkness. God, today, give this church a childlike faith. I pray to be a pastor with a childlike faith, a preacher with a childlike faith, a servant with a childlike faith. And I pray this for my brothers and my sisters, my sons and my daughters, our youth and our children, our senior saints and our couples, our singles and our collegiates. God, give us this kind of faith. Hallelujah, a miraculous faith in the face of campuses that deny you. A spirit-led faith in spite of a world that doubts the existence of God. We are still led by you, not by sight, but by you. A word-centered faith that causes us to respond with a tender heart and see the restoration that can only come from you. Give us faith like this, O oh God, that we might work the works of you who have sent us. Grant it, Lord, in Jesus' name.